Welcome into the Power Rally. If you're familiar with the podcast, I'm your host, Pat Melicaro. Thanks for joining us on our first episode of 2021. A lot has gone on in the year since our previous episode, including the cancellation of the 2020 minor league season, the realignment of minor league baseball overall, and as we know, the Toronto Blue Jays played their home games at Salem Field last year on their way to a 2020 wildcard berth in the playoffs last year, an exciting time in downtown Buffalo. And this year, we're happy to have fans back at the ballpark. Unfortunately, the Bisons have had to start the season on the road while the Toronto Blue Jays prepare to once again call Salem Field home here in 2021. As the Bisons play in Trenton, they're one of the top teams in their division. And as we chat here on this episode of the Power Rally, we'll talk to a man who's intricately involved in all aspects of Buffalo baseball, the general manager of the Buffalo Bisons, Anthony Sprague. Anthony not only had a hand in helping fans understand what the cancellation of 2020 meant, but he also has firsthand experience on bringing Major League Baseball to Buffalo last year and what it has taken this year to get Salem Field ready as we welcome fans back to the stands and the Toronto Blue Jays come June 1st. Also coming up later in the Power Rally, we'll check in on the Bison's first three weeks of the season. The team began the year at home, so to speak, in Trenton, New Jersey with maybe the now top pitching prospect in the organization, Alec Manoa, making waves over his first three starts. We'll check in with the big right-hander and the former first-round pick later here in the Power Alley. But first, it's time for our chat with Anthony Sprague. And as I talked to Anthony earlier this week, we discussed many different topics, including the beginning of AAA baseball here in 2021. I don't know, but uh, 700 winning percentage is general manager of the Buffalo Bisons. Uh, are you ready to stop the season right now? Yeah, I mean, to, to start this hot for a team um, and, and play as well and, and not just winning, you know, winning games squeaking by, we're, you know, putting up some runs, not allowing a lot of runs, playing good defense. Yeah, would, if we could just, you know, capture this and, and have it for every year, every month, that would be fantastic. I know we're about three weeks into the season now, but since you and I last talked at the Winter Hot Stove event, a lot has gone on. So thought it might be a good chance to catch up a little bit and, and take fans through just what your role as general manager of the Bisons has been like the last couple of months. Um, I can't imagine it's been easy with, um, you know, the potential of Toronto coming to town and then what that might mean for the Bisons eventually then landing in Trenton. Yeah, it's been, it's been a challenging few months. I mean, I know I'm not in the, uh, you know, I'm not in the minority on this. The COVID has been a challenging thing for, every person out there, every single, um, you know, business, everything. So I'm not in the minority by any means, but, um, you know, it's been, it's been an interesting year for sure. Uh, much more challenging than last year. Um, you know, even though we, we lost the, the season last year, it was, at least we knew what we were getting into and we knew the blue Jays were, were probably coming here. We didn't have a season. So all of our efforts were to getting them uh, ready and, and coming here. This year, there's just been so many different variables between if the Bisons were going to come here, <clears throat> if the Bisons were going to go play somewhere else, if the Blue Jays were going to come here or not. So um, <clears throat> my focus has really had to change a lot through um, through February. And, you know, Bisons playing in Trenton was, uh, was certainly a challenge to, to get them ready make that decision to, to have them go there instead of play here at, uh, here at Salem Field. So um, a whirlwind of a few months for sure. And from what I've been told 
from a lot of people that uh, they can see it in my in the grays in my hair now that uh, are are very prominent. And that, that's something a lot of people can relate to, uh, I'm sure, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, 100%. Uh, you mentioned Trenton, and I just wanted to know what that kind of relationship has been like for, for yourself. And, you know, for players, it might be easy. They're, they're in, in the minor leagues. You know, you go to a city. Uh, they don't live in Buffalo necessarily. They're just going to Buffalo for the summer. In this case, they're going to Trenton for the summer. So what are some of the things behind the scenes and part of your relationship with, with the Trenton organization that you've kind of had to develop on the fly here? Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's so many different scenarios this year. I mean, it, it, if people don't know, there was a new um, agreement between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball that, uh, you know, put a lot of different business, uh, you know, transition things and different challenges um, to our whole operation that we that in itself would have been, you know, a huge undertaking to, to make all those changes that are now required. Um, as we are, you know, a, a different part of uh, Major League Baseball. So that in itself to get Trenton aware and, and used to all those, the, the new nuances, because they, you know, they did not get an affiliate. Um, so towards the end and where all these uh, documentations, all the rules and regulations started to come out, they weren't necessarily getting them. Um, so to take all of those requirements and and, you know, let Trenton know, hey, the, you have to abide by all these rules and do this, these different things. Um, like I said, in itself, just the new PDL requirements, it was a huge undertaking. You had to fold in all of the COVID restrictions and rules and regulations. And um, I had uh, Jeff Hurley, their, their general manager there, he and I uh, became fast friends through all this, uh, through this whole process, once we knew we were going there. And you know, for a while, he and I were talking every day, you know, five times a day. And now we're, <clears throat> we're kind of more on a, a text email thing. So things are, things have been going pretty good, but to get them up to speed on what, uh, what they needed to do was, was a, a, a big task. And I joked about it with you right at the start, but the on the field product has been as good as uh, the relationship maybe between Buffalo and Trenton. And, you know, it's what you and I had kind of talked about last year about what the disappointment of there not being a baseball season was with somebody like Nate Pearson and add in Alec Manoa, the pitching seems to be very good. And, and the, the on the field product uh, so far has been good. So that's, you know, maybe one of the, the, the disappointments from a Bison fan, fan perspective is they haven't been able to see those players yet in person. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked a lot about it last year. We, you know, and through spring training, we were really excited, like, Oh boy, we, we got a staff, you know, we have a really good team coming in here and, um, you know, through the pandemic, we couldn't, couldn't see them. And, and through all the changes this year and the Jays coming here, we can't see them again, but um, I'm tuning in MILB TV, uh, just like hopefully our season ticket holders are that got that, uh, you know, free subscription. They're fun to watch. You know, it's, it's baseball at its best. It's good pitching, good defense, um, good hitting, timely hitting. And, you know, it is too bad that, uh, that we don't get to see him, but it's fun to still watch our guys play well. And, you know, under the leadership of Casey Kendall doing a great job. The, you know, I don't know if there's a manager that's had a tougher task than Casey through all this stuff, but um, we certain, sh certainly enjoy watching him play. Yeah, that was one of the, the another disappointment you add to it that Casey's such a well-revered and well-remembered player uh, from the fan base here in Buffalo. And, 
uh, earlier this week was the, the first chance that he got to wear the Buffalo uniform again uh, as, as a coach or manager. And uh, that relationship would have been special to see at least to start to start here in 2021. Yeah, it's a, it's a, there's so many different levels that you, you, you forget about through all this. And when he was announced as manager, um, I don't think I received more text messages, emails um, about anybody except for KC through the, through all this stuff of saying, Hey, that's a, that's awesome. He's one of our guys. He's a a Bison legend, great hire, great. You know, he's going to be, you know, one of the best managers ever. And, and again, now he, he can't be here through all this through his uh, first season, but, um, you know, hopefully next year he'll be, you know, I don't know, there's no championship, but win the, win the division at least and be back and next year win a championship with the, with the squad. And as we, we've kind of alluded to, you know, we're, we're recording this and the Blue Jays are currently playing their home games in Dunedin, but, um, you know, fans have been able to buy tickets now for a couple of days and, and continue to do so uh, for games that'll be played here in Buffalo come June. Uh, how has the, the relationship with the Blue Jays maybe been different from last year to this in terms of last year, you know, so much had to come together in such a short period of time where maybe this year with all the projects going on and, and some time to plan it, um, has it been any different? Yeah, there's been quite a few differences. I mean, the, the, you know, we still had to get the core and building together for them. Um, you know, the players still need to play here. And but so those changes are astronomical and something that our, our players, coaches, managers, everyone that comes through are going to get to enjoy for many years to come. So there was there was that portion that was existed last year. But obviously, the big change this year is, as you meant, fans can be can become to games now. Um, so it became more much more involved. In, in that whole process um, because, you know, it was a little bit different last year. We didn't have to worry about seats and concessions and ushers and ticket takers and, and any of those things. Um, this year, yeah, you know what, all of those things that we normally do and are normally at the top of our list of, uh, of making sure our fans are safe and, uh, and enjoy their time at Salem Field that uh, we now had to really, uh, you know, work with the Jays, educate them on, on how we do things because they're, they're really going to turn that operation, the actual, um, you know, running operation over to our people and our staff members that we're going to help them with it, but these will be the Jays policies and then the MLB's rules and stuff work, but we're a huge part to that to really help them get through that. So we needed the extra time. I know we, it was a, it was a, you know, a, a, you know, kind of a short time period that we had last year, only a matter of, you know, weeks that we needed to get the ballpark ready, but we didn't, we didn't have to worry about suites. We didn't have to worry about, you know, the concourse that we could have stuff all over the place in the concourse, batting cages, whatever. It didn't matter this year. We have to make it sure it's clean. It's safe. It's family friendly. Like we, we always uh, pride ourselves on doing. So um, we certainly, as I said, we certainly needed the extra time in order to get the ballpark ready for everybody. And that's something, that's a theme that you've talked about uh, regularly is when the ballpark would reopen to fans is something we talked about in February. It, it would be done in a safe environment with in consultation, whether it be the city, the county, the state, all those entities um, having a, helping the Bisons and now the Blue Jays figure out those plans and how to do it in the best, uh, safest possible way. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, so it's, we've had multiple plans go through 
um, you know, between, you know, okay, January or June 1st, we had kind of an idea, okay, we're going to have X amount of fans and then which are all good things though, restrictions are loosening and we can allow more people. Okay. So we'll make another plan. And, and as things continue on here, it seems restrictions keep loosening up. So it's really why the Jays came up with the idea of, Hey, let's not go too far too fast. Let's wait on a lot of these things because if we had, if we had done it and gone on sale right away, we there's, there are people that would not have been able to come to these games. If we would have had less people, and, and, you know, we would have looked a, a little bit foolish of making those decisions too early. And now I think uh, that that plan is showing why we did it, why we waited, because um, we're really trying to get as many people in here and to enjoy this as possible and kind of right that wrong from last year a little bit of Major League Baseball being here and no one getting to see it. So I think that is a, a benefit to all this. And when fans are able to come into the ballpark and sit in their seats, they'll see a couple of changes uh, both on the field and there'll be changes off the field. So I just want to take a minute to go through uh, some of those with you because uh, I know fans have been seeing them on, on local media reports. And, you know, the, the most immediate change is the bullpens will no longer be in foul territory. They'll be in right center field in, in that old power alley. So that's an exciting change. Yeah, it, it looks it looks weird. I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, after, you know, whatever, 15, 20 years being here, noticing the bullpens on the field and, and seeing them gone, it looks like something's missing. Something's weird, but it's looks a lot cleaner and a lot nicer. The bullpens are coming along nicely, um, laid some turf down. So it, it's it's interesting to see. It's cool. And it, it is it'll be, you know, that major league feel of watching a guy come running in from the from the bullpen and, and center field and, you know, the, the pregame pitcher or the, the starter walking in from the outfield. That's always, you know, that I, for me, it was always an iconic moment to like watch that starter come in after, you know, getting done with his warm up pitchings coming into the dugout. And now, you know, we get to, we get to see that happen and much more of a major league feel ballpark, which, you know, Salem field has always been major league, but this just uh, ups it a little bit more. I guess in 2022, you've got to start working on the sponsorship of a, a bullpen cart to go from uh, right center field to, to the field. Absolutely. Right. You know, that, that's a, a great idea. Kick it old school with that. Yeah. Uh, and now fans might see the, the, the tent in right in uh, out beyond right field in the parking lot at not, not necessarily a tent. It's, it's a permanent, it's, it's a structure um, where the visiting team will, will be again this year. And that's because uh, what fans may have seen of the clubhouses previously are now combined into one bigger clubhouse. And for, for fans that um, might not know, there's a big project continuing to go on up until uh, the Blue Jays get here of making that a, a new state-of-the-art uh, home clubhouse. Yeah, and, and similar to last year, yep, the visitors will be out in, in that area with, uh, with a structure that I think I wouldn't mind living in for the rest of my life. Uh, by the looks of it, it look, they're doing a fantastic job with that. I think the visitors will come in and they won't want to leave and, and go to a back to their home clubhouse. Cause I think this will be um, that good for them. But yeah, I, we kind of talked a little bit about it before the, you know, the, what the future Bisons, <clears throat> future coaches, future Jays will get to enjoy here is going to be a state of the art facility um, that will set us far above beyond what the new major league baseball standards are for um, for the clubhouse and, and for the workout areas, trainers rooms, all those different things that are now required 
by Major League Baseball under this new agreement, um, this partnership with the Jays is going to set us, like I said, far beyond what we need to do for that. And we do look forward to, you know, at some point when we can, uh, you know, and maybe in the, hopefully in this off season, we can uh, open up some tours and, and show some people what this is all about and what, what has been done and where all the work was done. And they will get lost if they've ever been down there for a first pitch or whatever, because I still get lost going down there, lose my bearings. I forget where I am, what room I'm in at this point, because it is all changed. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe a little bit inside is that uh, once the Blue Jays, whether it's 2022 or if they go back to Toronto at some point this summer, there's a potential where the visiting clubhouse will become the home clubhouse and the home, what was the home clubhouse will be the new triple uh, a visitors clubhouse. So, you know, you might get lost now and you might get lost uh, later in the summer too. Right. Absolutely. When all these, when, you know, we'll have to make some of these changes. Cause like you said, it will, it will have to change again because right now it's just one clubhouse down there um, for, for coaches and, and, and managers and players in another spot. But yeah, once, once all this uh, goes back and, and we'll need to prepare for Bison's uh, 2022. We'll have to make those changes and see what bit what best fits for us. And the Jays have been fantastic with that. They understand, like, hey, we're we're going to need to make a couple small tweaks to this to get it back to what we need it for. And uh, and those are part of the plans that we'll work on once uh, once this season comes to a close. Our thanks to Anthony for joining us on the Power Rally. The Bisons will enter the fourth week of the season in second place in the AAA East-Northeast Division. If you'll remember, the AAA baseball system is now separated into two different leagues, AAA East and AAA West, which occupies now the former International League, and there are now several new teams in what is AAA East. That's Jacksonville, Nashville, Memphis, Iowa, St. Paul, Minnesota, along with Omaha. It's now a 20-team AAA East and the Bisons remain tenants of the Northeast Division with their previous International League Northern Division foes, Scranton Wilkesbury, Lehigh Valley, Worcester, Rochester, and Syracuse. The Bisons are 11 and 7 entering play on May the 25th. They'll begin their first series of the year against the Scranton Wilkesbury Railriders. On the mound will be Alec Manoa making his fourth start of the season and for Manoa a 2019 first-round pick by the Toronto Blue Jays. He has had great success over his first three starts. A 3-0 record with a .50 earned run average with the first earned run and the first run period allowed by the top right-hander coming in his last appearance against Worcester. He began the season with six shutout innings and 12 strikeouts against the Woo Sox, who used to be the Pawtucket Red Sox, and then followed that up six days later as he led the Bisons with six shutout innings and only one hit against Rochester, and then on May the 19th, another victory for Manoa, six innings, 10 strikeouts, all told, 18 innings pitched for the right-hander out of West Virginia University, 27 strikeouts over his first three appearances. Manoa has talked many times about how he has been preparing for this AAA season here in 2021 after spending last year at the alternate training site in which the Toronto Blue Jays called Rochester home for the players that could have been used on the major league roster and following his start on May the 12th Manoa met with the media and discussed another solid outing. Hey Alec I'll ask the the million dollar question here uh do you feel like you're big league ready? Uh, that's that's not my decision to make. 
Um, I just go out there, man. I compete as hard as I can. And, you know, that's what they get paid the big bucks to do, to make those decisions. So I'll leave it in their hands. Thanks, Alec. Thank you. Hey, Alec, I heard that the Blue Jays GM was at the game tonight. I was wondering if you knew that and if, and if he said anything to you before or after the game. Uh, yeah, we uh, we spoke yesterday, and he just told me to go out there and have fun, keep doing what I'm doing. So, uh, yeah, I knew it was here. So, I mean, to be able to go out there and, uh, you know, give only one hit in front of him, I mean, it's, it's got to feel pretty good. I mean, how would you feel about the way you, you threw the ball tonight? Well, I would have felt better if there was no hits. <laughs> but uh felt pretty good out there. I felt like I uh, was able to get ahead in counts, able to get yeah. some guys out, you know, early in the counts and just keep that pitch count low to go deep in the game. Mm -hmm. It seemed like your slider was pretty good tonight. I mean, the, the, the hit you gave up, I think, was on a slider, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, for the most part, it looked like your slider had really good movement. I mean, did you feel like that was a, a really good pitch for you tonight? Yeah, it was It was working good. Um, you know, we kind of didn't have the best feel for, for the sinker in and didn't have the best feel of the changeup. So... Uh, we're just trying to do with what I had and, and try and locate the four seam and uh, keep guys off balance with that slider. Was there anything coming into this start you wanted wanted to focus on uh, differently from the first outing, or did you just want to keep doing what you were doing, essentially? Yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't really happy last outing. Uh, after talking with the pitching coaches, uh, my strike percentage wasn't usually where, where it usually is. Uh, first pitch strike percentage, I think, was 10 out of 22, so under 50%. And um, I just needed to be better with that. So I just wanted to come out here tonight. Uh, knew they were an aggressive team, but just wanted to go ahead and, and get ahead in the count early, early in the counts and be able to get in some some advantage counts, put guys away. Just to piggyback off those guys, what kind of confidence does these early strikes in the count give to the rest of the guys on the team? Because I know you, got, you kind of go out there with this swagger and this confidence that kind of just goes to the rest of the team. What kind of... Uh, confidence does it give the rest of the team? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, just being able to keep a good rhythm, being able to throw a lot of strikes, and just being able to get that offense back out there and, and get them rolling, I think that's huge for them. I think that's huge for, for me as well, and just the rhythm of the game, you know, we'll, we'll play a lot better like that. Hi, Alec. Uh, congrats on another great start. Um, you. you were great all night. Uh, your command slipped just a tiny bit in the third inning. Uh, you walked a guy, you hit a guy. How did you recover from that inning? Um, and did you make any changes from that point on going forward um, that helped you the rest of the game? Yeah, I just think, you know, um, kind of kind of let a couple, you know, fastball slip away from me. Slider was backing up a little bit. Um, so, you know, kind of just stepped off the mountain, regrouped, and just reminded myself, hey, there's eight guys behind me that are ready to play their tails off and make plays. So um, just go out there, throw strikes, you know, trust the stuff and try and, try and let the defense work a little bit and, and you don't have to strike everybody out, you know. So um, that was kind of the mindset from there. And, the rest of the game. Hi, Alec. After a performance like tonight and, you know, how you're performing this season, does that give you that, you know, anxious feeling that you should be and want to be up with that big league club and, you know, make you feel ready for that step? No, obviously, you know, whenever they think I'm ready, that's that's when they're going to call. And whenever they think they need me, you know, my job is just to continue to compete every five, six days when, whenever I'm given the ball and just give my team the best chance, man. You know, just continue to get better each and every day and uh, just go out there and compete. I really love to, to throw that baseball, man. So um, really no anxious about anything. I plan on playing this game for a long time. So just go out there and give it everything I got every out. How can you speak to your preparation for this season, especially, you know, you haven't played above low A before now? Yeah, I mean, um, the, the guys that, that are around me every day know my work ethic. Um, they kind of know how I'm built. And, and uh, I'm just, you know, uh, extremely blessed that I'm able to stay healthy. Uh, and I'm able to throw the ball, man. Um, 
I think I prepare a lot in, in the off season and I don't think I missed a step, you know, with the whole COVID and stuff. And I think it's showing right now. How would you describe, as you mentioned, the way you're built, you know, what can be expected from you? Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, big, strong, strong body, man. And I got a heart of the line, man, and I'm going to give you everything I got. So um, you mix those two things together along with the competitiveness that I hate losing. And um, it's, a, it's a pretty good recipe, man. And even when I'm not feeling good, I, I'm somehow able to find a way to keep going. Alec Manoa leads a pitching staff that currently has an earned run average as a team of 2.77, one of the best overall in minor league baseball. He's been joined by several other outstanding pitching efforts over the first three weeks of the season. Brian Baker, the former Buffalo Bison back in 2019, has made six appearances. That's one of the top marks on the team and has yet to allow a run with a 1-0 record and a save as well. Kirby Sneed was another member of the Bison's bullpen in 2019. He has made eight appearances to lead the team overall and is a .96 earned run average, including a pair of saves. Nick Allgaier made his AAA debut with the Bisons this year, has even been up to the big leagues, was recalled to Toronto earlier this season, has made four appearances and three starts, and has a victory as well. There are also some other names that Bison fans will remember, including Jacob Waguspak, back of the rotation this year, and TJ Zoik, who threw the no-hitter against Rochester back in August of 2019. He's back with the herd this year. The former first-round pick has made four starts this season. The Blue Jays also bolstered the offense this year, not only bringing in several top prospects like Josh Palacios, who was injured six games into the season, or Logan Warmoth, who has transitioned to the outfield after being drafted as an infielder, but also signing veteran free agents and acquiring them via trade. Two of those at the top of the list are Juan Gratterall, who's been behind the plate for the Bisons eight games this season and has a 481 batting average, including a homer and six RBIs. Bravik Valera is a player Bison fans may know from 2019 when he spent a majority of the season in Scranton-Wilkesbury. He has a 340 batting average over 13 games and 14 RBIs to lead the team. Also, Christian Colon, who was signed out of independent baseball right before the start of the year, has appeared in 14 games this year for the Bisons, a 367 batting average, 13 RBIs, as well as three stolen bases. The Bisons have a lot of speed, 20 steals already this season. The offense has contributed greatly, and all that has led to an 11-7 record, second best in the AAA East Northeast Division, looking up at Scranton-Wilkesbury. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Power Alley. We look forward to bringing you brand new episodes every Monday where you get your podcasts. So keep checking back every week. And don't forget, you can catch up with the very latest ticket information for the Toronto Blue Jays home games at Salem Field by going to bisons.com, bluejays.com as well. And you can always check our social media feeds on Facebook, facebook.com slash Buffalo Bisons, and on Twitter at Buffalo Bisons where we answer a lot of your questions. And as more tickets become available for Blue Jays games in Buffalo, you'll be able to find all that information on all of our different platforms. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time in the Power Alley.